Welcome to the Conscious Living Show with your host, Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce, and her husband, Dr. Mark Pierce. The health of your sex life reflects the health of other aspects of your life. While this may not be the only factor, it certainly contributes to the degree you'll enjoy a well rounded, healthy, happy, sexy life. Now, here is Dr. Nancy and Dr. Mark. Well, good morning. You're listening to the Conscious Living Sexuality Show, and Mark and I are here to share our insights and delights with you as always. Good morning, honey. Good morning, dear. How are you today? I'm doing well. Good. One of my favorite topics. Yeah. This, I mean, you know, we like to talk about sexy things, but as healthcare providers, we do feel a responsibility to talk about the more serious subjects as well. And so we decided to talk about uh, STIs and or STDs or what is known as sexually transmitted infections. And we're going to talk about it. I'm going to give, I've got some fun facts, I mean, interesting facts about the history of STIs. It's, you know, every generation thinks they have invented them, right? It's like, oh, this is new, and we <laughs> panic. Part, part of the reason I think that happens is because people don't talk about it. You know, I don't remember talking about it a lot when I was growing up. And, and I think we're becoming much more open in our conversations. It's, yeah, it's one of the, it's a social responsibility, Yes. Really, and it starts to kind of permeate our whole uh, community, and uh, we're always we're not always aware that that we have an STI. Yes. And I want to first kind of differentiate between an STI and an STD because there are there are both, and an STI uh, generally means a person is infected, uh, and they can they can pass it along, but it doesn't mean they they've de- it's developed into any sort of disease. Uh, for example, uh, women with can carry HPV and be completely asymptomatic. So they don't have a disease, but they might be infected and able to pass that along to other people. So we just need to understand that it's not a dis- always a disease. Um, it can be like if something leads to cervical cancer, that is a disease. But if it's before that, if it's just the infection, then that's an STI. So when we talk about these this this acronym, I want people to know what we're yeah, talking I about. Yeah, I think unfortunately, what that's done is it's made it harder to search for data mm. because all of the old data only refers to STDs as sexually in- transmitted infections. So if you're doing research, then include STD and STI in the in the in the lines that you're searching for. Otherwise, you'll miss some of the data yeah. that's yeah. Uh, available for you. And, and there, I, there's a lot of data. Well, I think awareness is the first step toward a responsibility. <clears throat> knowing that you can have these infections without knowing about it means that the only way you can be sure that you're meeting your own personal responsibilities in sexual activity is to be screened, to have the testing done on a regular basis. Now, um, it's it's just not being it's just not happening. Do you think that the um, there's still some social stigmas around um, STIs and people are embarrassed? Perhaps? Well, for example, in the doctor's office, if you have somebody come in for an unre- you know they come in and they say, oh, I have headaches and you know and you're a migraine headache and they're in an age group where they're at increased risk for an, an STI. If you say, oh, by the way, we have a special on STI screening today, 
uh, you seem like a little bit of a creeper, you know. <laughs> really? Because I, I was thinking, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> but we, we have to get over that and just put it out there that people should be screened uh, on a regular basis, you know, based on the risk factors. And everybody should be screened once to know that they have or don't have or what their profile is. Right. It used to be that before you got married, you had to have a screening. Do you still have to do that? Right, right. No. Uh-uh. Oh, that's no. interesting. You know, the vast majority of the testing was negative. Syphilis, that was a syphilis test. Okay. That's before interesting. Before you got married. And, yeah. And each one has its own characteristics and each one has its own downside. Mm-hmm. Syphilis, for example, if it gets past the early stages, can cause dementia. And who wants dementia? You, know. you have to wonder about a lot of the elder people with dementia right now, uh, how many of them had untreated oh, they, and recognized syphilis. They've, they've done that test. They'll go through a convalescent home, and uh, if the convalescent home has three or 400 patients, they'll find one or two. Just one or two, though. Well, one or two in each convalescent hospital yeah. that has syphilis. A yeah. treatable cause of uh, dementia. Yeah, that's sad. But not reversible. Right, right. Not a reversible cause. So... It's very important to take on this personal responsibility because the provider, the healthcare provider, might be a little squeamish about asking you about it. Yeah, we, I mean, you know, healthcare providers don't get a lot of sex education, like a lot of marriage family counselors don't have a lot of sex education. And a lot of people in, in therapeutic healthcare related professions don't have haven't really processed their own sexual biases. And so there's still a lot of um, shaming, I think, that happens to patients when somebody comes in and says, you know, I mean, because we're still seeing it a lot in social media, we'll just keep your legs closed and you wouldn't have to worry about that kind well, of thing. Or exactly. keep it in your pants. And when a doctor's asking a person if they would like to have STI screening, it's kind of implying to them that they think that they're not being careful with their sexual activity or that they're non-monogamous or they're... Uh, whatever the stigma might be. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, when you look at the data from the other side, we should be asking everyone, you know. Well, I was just thinking, you know, when you go in and they ask you, have you had your tetanus vaccine? Um, you know, when's the last time you had your cholesterol checked? You know, you kind of go through a little list and, and have you ever had an STI screen? Exactly. You know? I, mean, I we, mean, that just should be part of the We way over-test huh? cholesterol yeah. and... Um, Tetanus, um, you know, it's probably way overdone as well, although the recommendation is every 10 years. But we don't ask at the same time we're asking if they have had their tetanus. We're not asking if they've had their HPV right. vaccine. Right. So and we're going to talk about vaccines during of, the show there's today. There's a lot of inconsistencies. And so this is an area where if you can be your own advocate, you will be healthier and more responsible. And this needs to spread throughout the community. Let's spread this instead of that. Right. <laughs> so I have some interesting fast facts about different, um, because when I talk to people about STIs, most g- people in general think that they're kind of a non-existent thing anymore, that they've kind of gone away, that, that it's not that big a deal. So here's just some fast facts that were done, uh, put out in 20 from 2017. Chlamydia has had a 22% increase since 2013. Correct. Yes. yes. And gonorrhea has had a 67% increase 
since 2013. Exactly. And both primary and secondary syphilis have had a 76% increase since 2013. Yes. And congenital syphilis has had a 154% increase. Yes. Now, would you explain to our listeners the difference between primary, secondary syphilis and congenital syphilis? Well, syphilis goes through stages of the infection. So when you first, you first are infected with syphilis, uh, it has you know certain types of uh, symptoms that you get, and then, uh, but by the time that you really realize that you have it, it's usually in the secondary stage where you get a rash. Mm-hmm. Uh, ulcers first, then a rash, and then you go on into the third stage, which is where it's dormant for a number of years, and it becomes, um, uh, and you develop the neurologic changes with syphilis. Congenital syphilis is when a baby's born and is infected by the mother. So 154% increase just since 2013 in cases. Of syphilis. Of syphilis in babies. Well, what's surprising so, to me is, is that wow. we hear every year of how many children are hurt or killed by uh, the flu. Right. And the flu just comes in and snatches a few of our precious children every year. And we do our best to prevent that. The same number of children are being harmed by syphilis. Exactly the same as with yes. the flu. Yes. But we're not and talking about that. We're not talking about it. So um, We are now. That's it. Yes, we're, we're being responsible, we're spreading the word now, but we need your help, you know. That's why prenatal care is essential, and really, prenatal care should start before you get pregnant. Yes. And if prenatal care starts before you get pregnant, that means you're taking your folic acid, and you're having an STI screen. Right. And you're not getting pregnant until you're ready to take care of a child. Yes. So you're not having... Unwanted pregnancies well, and or irresponsible ejaculations. Exactly. I just wanted to hear you say that. Uh, because men, I'm on a mission. <laughs> well, men need to do their part yes. in this whole process. And so men, if you uh, think that you're going to have sexual time that's going to result in having a baby, it's your business now to ask that partner uh, if they've had their STI screens, if they're on their folic acid. Um, because you're going to be just as responsible for that child emotionally and financially, more emotionally, and uh, you want the best outcome that you can get. We can do this. Yeah. I think, and, and that, you know, it, it, it yes, it, I've, I've been kind of going, I, I've been swinging the pendulum the other way in terms of putting the responsibility on men because because the, the, they've had absolutely no sense of responsibility for unwanted pregnancies in, in many circles. And so I think we need to all be responsible. If you're having sex you, you're and you're not using protection consistently and effectively, you're trying to have, you're trying to get pregnant. Right. And you could be exposed or probably are being exposed to STIs and you could have one. And condoms are very good at preventing, but not 100%. Right. So you so should have a regular screening schedule. So let's be clear. We're talking about safer sex. Yes. Not safe sex. Because there's really, safe sex is when you have sex with your Sibian. <laughs> <laughs> or you masturbate. Or you mutually masturbate. Um 
you know, so there are there are certain ways that you can be sexual that are very safe. Uh, virtual sex, you know, all of that is very safe. But when you when you include another human being, there is going to be some risk. You can't have risk free sexual time. That's correct. Yeah. So I think that's just what we have to just be be conscious of and not be blinded by blood by the syphilis. <laughs> Right. And and it's just knowing where you stand and you just have to take the time to be screened. That's the responsibility that we need to take some more time for. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a little break in a minute here. And, and, and I, I want to come back and talk about some interesting history that I've uh, uncovered about a lot of the different uh, STIs that we're commonly talking about and so that people just can understand that this this just didn't in, wasn't invented you know this is not new these are tough little buggers that have been around for billions of years yes, they, they and, have turned. and uh, they're not going away they've learned how to take advantage yeah yes. they're not going away so but don't you go away come back after the break and we're going to talk more about how to keep yourself healthy happy and sexy we'll be right back Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce offers a private practice in clinical sexology, relationship coaching, and is a health, intimacy, and communication specialist. Dr. Nancy is the CEO of ELR, Empower, Love, and Reawaken. Dr. Nancy passionately designs and facilitates global seminars and retreats for women and those who adore them. She focuses on women's health, teaching them about their body, right to pleasure, positive body image, and loving acceptance. Connect with Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce at drnsp.com. That's drnsp.com. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the stay-dry barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. You are listening to The Conscious Living Show. To reach the doctors or their guest on the live show, feel free to call in to 1-866-613-1612 or send an email to Dr. Nancy at drnsp.com. Now, back to The Conscious Living Show. Welcome back. You're listening to the Conscious Living Sexuality Show, and Mark and I are here talking to you about an important public health topic today, and that is STIs. I, I like the name of your show, Conscious Living, and if we can just bring a little higher level of consciousness to the STI infections, I think that we can do a better job. Yeah. And I just want to send a shout out to Bunny and her family. Uh, the makers of Sibian and Venus, they support us in getting this information out. They're supporting sex education 
And we really appreciate that. They really are the supporters of conscious living sexuality. Yes. And and without the shame and guilt that that so much so many people are struggling with and that's why Mark and I really enjoy bringing up all these conversations because I think the more we the more we talk about these things the easier it gets, don't you think so? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So this will encourage me to be a little bit more straightforward with patients mm-hmm. at the office. And to, to do screening. And well, you're, you're so good at that. You're so good at to, to talking about the tender topics with people. When you have to do an exam, you're, just your wording of they're just body parts, you know. It's just another part of your body that we have to look at, we have to investigate or, or understand. So you don't, you don't separate out a person's sexuality as kind of, their private, their naughtiness, that you, you, you look at people as whole beings. And of course, our sexuality is a part of our whole being. And the more, the more doctors and healthcare providers are matter of fact about it, the more comfortable patients are going to be speaking their truth, right? I mean, you also have to create an oasis. Right. It, it is a difficult topic to bring up. So if you come in and specifically ask for it, you'll get a better response. Yeah. Some doctors will bring it up, not all of them. Sometimes it's not pertinent to the complaint and it's separate, but it is an opportunity to to do the screening. Um, I think in the first segment, we let everybody know how important this problem is. And one of the distressing things is that is that it's increasing. So our sexual behavior and our lack of screening and responsibility has allowed infections to increase. Mm -hmm. And so um, that awareness perhaps will start to push those numbers back down. I don't think we can get them to zero, but we can do better than we have been doing recently. Well, we we do know that that unplanned pregnancies and teen pregnancies have gone down. I mean, it's at an all-time low right now. So, so we need to keep doing whatever we're doing to bring these conversations up so that it does help people make better choices, more conscious choices. One of the things that's helped screening, and perhaps some of these increased numbers means that their screening has improved um, and we're detecting more cases, is that the screening now can be done without an exam. Mm-hmm. You can get a blood test and a urine test and you can screen for the common STIs. And the timing issue with the blood test is sometimes important, but it would be better to err on the side of having it done and maybe not have the right timing to to not do it at all. It's an opportunity to do it. Take the opportunity. Yeah. So you don't have to have uh, a formal GYN or GU exam to have STI screening. You just need a blood test and a urine test. And we're going to talk about that in, in one of the last segments is right. detection and, or, and prevention. So I want to just give you a little history about chlamydia because, you know, a lot of people think chlamydia is something new. And it was uh, it goes back to 1553 BCE. So it's been around a while. Um, gonorrhea uh, was really first known about. It's been known since the medieval period. And it wasn't until about the 17th century that people understood that that discharge from the penis wasn't semen, that it was pus. 
and the the word gonorrhea actually means flow of seed. So they they uh, ex, they misnamed it because it that they, they thought that's what it was. Um, the other syphilis um, that the highest uh, growing data. Um, Population is between 25 and 29 years old. That's the that's the highest uh, increase in syphilis cases. And it was in 1905 that the causative bacteria was first identified. But then it wasn't until you know the 1940 when they came up with penicillin. So um, we had that controversial study on syphilis with black men, which was very unethical. Uh, back in the day where they were not treated to, to study the onset of tertiary syphilis. Oh, my gracious. Yeah. That's horrible. It was. It's one of the black marks on our medical community. And I think it Oof. resulted in a lot of the consent forms that are now required for participation in, in uh, uh, research data. Well, that's inhumane, projects. isn't it? It was, yes. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm glad we're not doing those things anymore, hopefully. Um. And herpes. Herpes is kind of an interesting uh, one because it, there's so many myths around herpes. You know, from cold sores you can't get. You know, if you have a cold sore, that's just that's just a cold sore. You can't get if you have a cold sore, you can't get it in your genital region. Herpes one, herpes two. I mean, all these things. So let's clear up some of that misconception around herpes today. Okay. Okay. Um, and HPV, um, you know, that's that's been around a long time, too. It's a virus. And what's interesting about HPV is that mo- most of the time people get it and they clear it and they never know they've had it because it, it's a viral infection. So you don't even know you've had it. Um, but then there, there are others that it it if your immune system isn't prepared or can handle it at that time, it can move into uh, genital warts. It doesn't clear. It yeah. doesn't clear, right. But that's only one serotype of right. HPV. Right, How many are there? Do you know? Oh, there's Is over it, 20, oh, oh, gosh. I'm sure. But okay. they've, they've serotyped them to the areas that they seem to affect. And the you know I don't know the exact numbers, but the ones... You know, less than 10 tend to cause the genital warts, and 16 and 18 are the ones that are causing cervical and oral and anal cancer. Okay. So HPV is now known to be the primary cause of, of cervical cancer in women, and it's now becoming the primary cause. Now that smoking is decreasing, it's becoming the primary cause of oral cancer hmm. in men and women. At a much younger age, I have to say too. Yikes! Huh? Okay. Well, we got to we got to keep our we got to keep ourselves healthy and stay conscious of these things. Well, it just shows you that we're you know we're slowly understanding each one of these disease processes one at a time, mm-hmm. from ancient times to just recent times with HPV finally being dissected, and uh, we now have a, a, a good vaccine to prevent HPV. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, a lot of times we don't differentiate between bacterial and viral when we talk about STIs. We just kind of lump them all into the same arena. And, you know, people say, well, why aren't there vaccines for gonorrhea? We've had it around for so long. Why aren't there vaccines for syphilis? It's been around so long. Can you explain the difference between 
a vac- what what a vaccine actually can do for a virus versus a, a bacterial? Well, I think vaccines were originally um, used in viral infections because we didn't have alternatives for treatment. And a lot of viral infections are one-time infections, starting with the childhood viral infection. So it's easier. The mechanisms for developing a vaccine for a viral infection are are already in place. And that's why they're working very hard to find one for HIV, for example, but they've not had success there yet. Uh, at least there's some glimmers now, but they've still not come up with something that's been uh enough or effective enough to release on a on a you know bigger basis i can't think of the right word there and um whereas in bacteria we do have vaccines for different bacterial infections ironically pneumococcal uh, vaccine uh, has been around and it causes ear infections and when you look under the microscope, you know, pneumococcus and gonorrhea, there's some similarities. So hmm. we probably should be able to develop a vaccine for GC at some future time. And that's important because GC is getting resistant to antibiotics one after another. The antibiotics that we used 30 years ago to treat gonorrhea are no longer effective. And now we're, we still have effective antibiotics, but there are some very resistant infections in some parts of the world. The United States has been pretty effective at keeping it out, but with the blurring of the populations and cultures, all cultures are at risk for for being seeded with these very resistant gonorrhea infections. Yeah. Do you do you have any um, information as to what where where those are mostly originating from? Well, I think Africa and Thailand are very high and very and resistant to uh, GC infections. So, so if you travel, if you travel to have sex. That's you know you you de- you need to do your research. Yeah, it's uh, the HIV populations uh, are higher in some countries, and uh, you know traveling uh, to have sex with different cultures has an increased risk. Maybe that's why Thailand is so famous for having sex with children, because they're probably lower risk than the adults. Well, that's been the, you know, one of the, one of the um, defining things with our sexuality. The virgin who would have no risk, uh, uh, seemingly no risk. <laughs> You're born. There's a lot of born again virgins out there. Well. <laughs> You know, a lot of these infections are, are uh, pretty pretty sneaky, but uh, certainly the more exposure you have, it could be accumulative. So the older you are, the more likely you are to have an STI. The more partners you have, the more likely you have an STI. All of these things are just common sense. Again, just need to be careful. Yeah. All right. Well, we're getting ready for another break. This is going by fast. So when we come back, let's talk about testing and what people need to know about testing and how they can access it uh, more easily and more readily. Let's challenge people to get tested. Yeah, let's do that. All right. We're going to come back with more conscious living sexuality talk uh, about STIs and our public health service today. We'll be right back. Mystery Vibe is where the best of humanity and technology combust into your pleasure. Personalized, the world's first body-adapting vibrator. Crescendo adapts, bends, wraps, and vibrates in your every curve and crevice. 
Use solo, duo, trio, or more. And with an app control that commands your pleasure across 12 presets. Oh, and you can even make your own vibration. Crescendo is adored by all, from feminists to Forbes. Go to mysteryvibe.com now for your pleasure, personalized. Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce offers a private practice in clinical sexology, relationship coaching, and is a health, intimacy, and communication specialist. Dr. Nancy is the CEO of ELR. Empower, love, and reawaken. Dr. Nancy passionately designs and facilitates global seminars and retreats for women and those who adore them. She focuses on women's health, teaching them about their body, right to pleasure, positive body image, and loving acceptance. Connect with Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce at drnsp.com. That's drnsp.com. Stay tuned in and turned on to a sexual evolution here on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. You are listening to The Conscious Living Show. To reach the doctors or their guest on the live show, feel free to call in to 1-866-613-1612 or send an email to Dr. Nancy at drnsp.com. Now, back to The Conscious Living Show. Welcome back to Conscious Living Sexuality. And Mark and I are here talking about a really a very important public service uh, concept around STIs and staying healthy and being aware and opening up this conversation for ease in, in discussion. Because asking somebody is a very difficult thing. How do, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about testing and that, but how do you even bring that up in a, when you're getting ready to be sexual with somebody, especially if it's a hookup? Well, I would say that if you are asking somebody, if you think that they have an S, do you have an STI? I want to be sexual with you. I want to consent to have sex with you. What's your STI status? Well, if you're asking that and you have not been tested yourself, you're not, you're not being authentic and responsible. You need to know whether or not you have an STI. Otherwise, they're gonna, they should ask you right back. Well, what's your STI status? And you say, well, I'm good. But the reality is, if you have not been tested, you don't know. Now, with the onset of Obamacare, healthcare plans have allowed for STI testing or screening without co-payments. So it's a little whimsical still with each insurance company, but in general, you should be able to be tested once a year without any cost if you have a health insurance plan. Huh, okay. So now the problem is timing. You know, if you have, if you're tested and then you have sexual time with somebody, then you're a little less certain as to your STI status. And if you have sex with a different person, then you're even more uncertain. And even if you use condoms, which decrease the risk quite significantly, they're not 100%. So you can't be thinking that just because you used a condom all the time, that after the end of one year, that you still haven't contracted and are spreading an STI to all your future partners. You can't know that. Um, So screening is critical, and in general, it is at no cost. So 
it is a personal responsibility to get it done. What other, why else isn't it being done? Well, my doctor didn't remind me. Well, that's that's okay. We should be reminding you. But <laughs> if you're taking care of your body, then you should get it done. Um, how many people go a whole year without getting an oil change on their car? <laughs> Here we go with the car. <laughs> They do a better job, the dentists do a better job of making sure that we get in and get our teeth screened. Every six months. Then we do uh, getting on a routine screening program. Now, in the past, the GYN doctors have done the best at screening when people come in for pap smears. But pap smears recommendations have gone down recently and are going to continue to go down as we introduce the HPV vaccine. So pap smears really aren't even recommended in our younger age groups, 18 to 24. They're not going to have cervical cancer, but they are going to get HPV and they should have had their vaccine and they should be screened for STIs. And the nice thing is you don't have to do the personal exam to screen because that is difficult in a very young person who's not had many sexual partners i mean it's still difficult even if you've had a sex, sexual partner it's yes, it's okay. not a comfortable procedure well, or, exactly yeah, it's, so it's, it's awkward so that's oftentimes uh, the reason that it's not performed and it's getting ironically with our we've become almost a more modest uh culture mm-hmm. the, uh, the 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 sexual revolution is kind of progressing and yet on the other side, there's this modesty and difficulty with uh, being examined in a medical environment. Um, that's, that's because of our lawyers. Well, that could be too. Yeah, yes. that's that. I don't think that has anything to do with um, people's uh, personal comfort, but it's it's the litigation that lawyers go after when when you've touched. I mean, we still have a. We still have a cultural bias around anything sexual or genital genitalia. So as soon as you have to touch or look at a person's genitals, you're you're instantly either a creeper or there's even if it's in a medical because the lawyers have no medical training, so they well, just see it as bizarre. And we've messed it up. There have been a few there doctors have that have been inappropriate. So the nice thing is is that that's taken out of the equation now. It just is a time issue getting organized and getting it done. Now, there is an online um, company called uh, My Lab Box that you can uh, order and do your own testing online. It's a little more expensive. It's about $400 for the full 14 test panel, which includes HPV. Um, what do you, do you have any kind of, um, any kind of, uh, information about about well, I, that you know i have my own lab that i work with in my medical practice so by the time a person comes in i'm screening them through my my own laboratory system so i don't really have an opportunity to make a recommendation for a non um uh you know for a lab uh, that's online but i would say any way that you can get screened is valuable to you yes and I just I think that if the lab would accept insurance, and I don't know what the regulations are for that, then you could have your non non copay screening without uh, any additional cost. the The government, um, Obamacare, really was trying to look out after us and help us be more responsible by 
realizing that this should be a non-cost uh, service that's provided by your insurance. And it's underutilized. Well, let's utilize it. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's get out there. So, okay, I'm going to be the devil's advocate here. What about the, the couple that says, but we've been in a monogamous relationship for 25 years. We don't need to do that. Well, uh, you know, that's that certainly reduces their risk. Um, but unless if they were sexual prior to coming into that relationship, they may not have known what they brought in. Mm-hmm. And secondarily, uh Monogamous relationships aren't always monogamous. Not they're they're sometimes unilaterally monogamous. Right, right. <laughs> and so, so I think a screening once in a while is uh, is worthwhile, um, just for your own personal knowledge. And you don't have to reveal the screening to your partner. This is an area where you can go in privately, be screened, and not have that information given to anyone else but yourself. We cannot call back with an STI screen. We can't say, oh, I want to call Mrs. Smith and tell her the results of my STI screen. We have to wait for you to call our office to get the results of the STI screen because we can't depend on the, you know, if we call somebody else answers, we can't say, oh, this is Dr. Smith calling about your (laughs) results. Well, this is her husband. What are the results? I didn't know that she even went to the doctor. Right. So then that would trigger a, Oh, you went to the doctor. You didn't tell me you went to the doctor. And oh, we buddy. can't call. So you need to call us to get your results. Um, even if we mail them to you, that might not work. Right. So it's tricky, but it is personal. And you can get you can keep this entirely to yourself privately. And you should take the time to do it. It's just a time issue. It's better if you look at your partner and say, hey, you know, let's get a... a Let's just go in and get an STI screen. You know, heaven help you if you have tertiary syphilis. Yeah. You know, that takes 25 years to develop. So uh, do you know it's negative? Um, uh, Probably not. Or, you know, I guess the ladies getting pap smears would know about HPV. Mm -hmm. And uh, so some are obvious, some less obvious. It's just a personal responsibility. Let's get over it and just get it done. So let's talk a little bit. We're going to take a break here in a few minutes. I'd like to, in our last segment, talk a little bit about um, the vaccines that are available. And uh, as we get ready to go to break, condoms, what do you think their efficacy is? I mean, because I know a lot of people... I, I just printed out a whole sheet that I'm going to link to my blog on my website, drnsp.com, and so that people can see how to use a condom. Because I think a, a lot of people don't really know the proper way to use a condom. They might put them on backwards, inside out. They might not know to, to get rid of the air at the tip. They might not know if they're uncircumcised, that you have to pull the foreskin back. What before well, you put it on? I mean, there's all kinds of little tricks and tips to keeping putting it on and keeping it on. I'm surprised that they work as well as they do because most people performing oral sex don't use a condom. Right. And and so right there, uh, if you if you exchange oral sex, you you certainly can have uh, an STI from that. And um, what about kissing? Um. You know, I mean, I think it's possible. We're starting to see more 
uh, herpes simplex two in the oral area, uh, mm-hmm. and so I think that uh, you know that certainly has spread uh, that way. Um, I think I think you know genital to oral is and you know is certainly a lot higher risk, but you know we're exchanging bodily fluids. I think it all comes back to taking the time to get screened, and if you're in a Monogamous relationship, you're safer. It's not a guarantee. It certainly is less risky. I think that's one of the. You only that, know what you've done. <laughs> right, but I think that's one of the reasons that our culture has pushed us towards monogamy. Is I mean, you can look at the statistics, but you know, people in a monogamous relationship have less STIs. That makes sense. Right. Less exposure is less, less risk. Yeah. So, yeah, let's, uh, I think the thing is to get over it and get it done. Okay. So maybe we should encourage couples to go on uh, testing dates. <laughs> <laughs> well, we certainly, you know, if we start in the non-monogamous uh, community, we're going to have a bigger impact. But I don't think that anybody should feel like they shouldn't be screened. For example, hepatitis C, it's recommended that we screen 50-year-olds for hepatitis C across the board, and that's another STI that we don't think about. Right, right, because people just think about that in terms of blood passing, you know, transfusions and that sort of thing with hep C. And that's certainly the main way that it is spread. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to get ready for a break here. I have a a caller that uh, has a question that I'm going to ask, so get ready for uh, kind of an interesting uh, question that we're going to answer in the last segment. Remember, this is the Conscious Living Sexuality Show, and we're here to help you have a healthy, happy, sexy life. We'll be right back. Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce offers a private practice in clinical sexology, relationship coaching, and is a health, intimacy, and communication specialist. Dr. Nancy is the CEO of ELR. Empower, love, and reawaken. Dr. Nancy passionately designs and facilitates global seminars and retreats for women and those who adore them. She focuses on women's health, teaching them about their body, right to pleasure, positive body image, and loving acceptance. Connect with Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce at drnsp.com. That's drnsp.com. When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. Craving more from your sexy lifestyle? Search our businesses, services, blogs, articles, and videos. And keep in touch with us by subscribing to our newsletter. All on thesexylifestyle.com. You are listening to The Conscious Living Show. To reach the doctors or their guest on the live show, feel free to call in to 1-866-613-1612 or send an email to Dr. Nancy at drnsp.com. Now, back to The Conscious Living Show. Welcome back. You're listening to The Conscious Living Sexuality Show. So, 
Well, how, how are we doing today, babe? Well, we're talking about STIs, and I think we're doing a good job. We've In the first segment, we talked about the problem, and the bottom line is, is that STIs are increasing in our population. Then we talked about how screening is often can be done at no cost or no co-payment with your regular health insurance, and the fact that that makes it a personal responsibility to get the screening done. And you can depend on your healthcare provider to suggest it, but you're much more likely to get it done if you ask for a comprehensive STI screening and review and at your doctor's office. Now, a lot of times we're talking about events that are approaching. You have an event coming up in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And I know there's an event in New Orleans coming up this summer. Mm -hmm. And these events are popping up all over the place. And my wish would be that if you're going to a major event and you're going to have sexual time with people that you only know casually, that you have an STI screening a few weeks, a couple weeks before the event. So that if somebody asks you at the event what your STI status is, you can say, confidently and honestly, I was screened two weeks ago and I know my STI status and I'm good. Or I have this and you can be kind of matter of fact about it. And if they can't answer to you what your what their STI status is, then you need to take that in consideration that they don't know. Right. So they can tell you that they don't know their STI status, but they can say, oh, I don't I don't think I have this or I don't think I have that. Well, one of the statistics that got my attention is that the vast majority of people who have herpes simplex 2 don't know that they have it. Hmm. Over 90%, we screen people in the blood and we find herpes simplex 2 viral antibodies. And we say to that person, have you ever been diagnosed with herpes? And they go, no, never had it. Hmm. 90%. Wow. 90% of the people who have blood test positive herpes have never acknowledged a clinical episode. So are they still infectious? Yes. Even without a, a sore? Right. Right. Yes. I mean, not as much. I mean, obviously, if you have a sore and you're shedding virus, that's the worst time. Right. But it certainly doesn't mean that you, if you've had it, you can pass it. Would that virus be in the saliva? In the blood? I mean, is it in the fluids or how is it passed then if you have no sign or no sore? I think, you know, that the sores have to have to have a beginning and an end. And uh-huh. especially in the vaginal vault, you don't know. Sometimes you, you don't you don't know what that irritation is. You can't tell what it is. You know, it's a, probably a little more obvious on the external skin, but the point is is that when you ask people who are positive in the blood if they've ever had an episode, they can't say that they have. Hmm. So if you're asking them, um, if you're asking them if they've had a um, uh, herpes before, they they can't give you an honest answer without testing. So the challenge is if you're going to a major event, a uh, lifestyle event, have some testing done, so you can give anybody there at the event, this needs to become the etiquette of the event. It needs to become pretty common place. And I don't think it's common. All right, what you got going here? All right, so the question is, um, I've always wanted to know about the hot tub at H2, at Hedonism Resort. So any lifestyle resort or lifestyle-friendly resort, sometimes the hot tubs can get a little crazy. 
And I, I've just personally made it kind of a, I don't really go in the hot tub except for like first thing in the day when I know they've refreshed the water. Um, can a person get anything from that water just being in it? That's, I don't, I don't know that we have a, a absolute answer from that, but as gross as it may seem, I think the, <laughs> I think the risk in a hot tub, uh, just being the water itself, is low. I think that's a low risk. So you can't get pregnant from the water. No. And, and I think, I mean, that's where the STIs are sneaky. They, they generally do require some sexual contact for spread, okay. kissing, you know, intercourse, uh, oral, oral sex. Uh, there has to be some type of formal contact. They don't do well outside of the body. And what about just like a one-time contact? Because I know we've talked a lot about HIV in the past and, and that it's more, it's more of the repeated contact and exposure than it is the, the chances of getting it with one-time contact. Is that accurate? Well, it's statistical. There is going to be that person who has only one contact who gets it. Yeah. And, um, but repeated exposure definitely increases your risk. So, you know, that's the advantage. If you're going to be with somebody and um, you're not tested and they have the condition with repeated exposure, it almost guarantees that you're going to have that condition. So the irony is, is that being monogamous or being serially monogamy, monogamous, if that person has an STI or you have an STI, you're almost certainly going to pass it on to that person because you're going to have repeated contact and you're going to say, gosh, I'm comfortable with you. Let's not use condoms anymore, um, which men you shouldn't do because you're going to be responsible for the pregnancy when the birth control doesn't work. <laughs> and. And uh, I think that screening becomes even more important prior to an ongoing monogamous relationship. You know. So, so what what is the uh, protocol now for couples that uh, that that do decide they want to be exclusive, and they've been together for a while? Um, what's the testing procedure that they well, should go through before they could? feel a little bit more comfortable there, about there using are, unprotected There sex. are people who come in who have said, you know, I met this person and I'm comfortable with them and we've consented to having sex, but we want to be tested before. That's the ideal situation. We have some people come in and say, well, we've had sex a few times. Now we want to be tested. <laughs> and, and that's okay if both people are tested and then stay monogamous or, you know. And um, we basically screen for the, the common ones. We screen for chlamydia. That's the most common. We screen for GC. And we screen, we do a blood test for syphilis and HIV and hepatitis C. Uh, those, are the, those are the common ones. Now, knowing that, H, that uh, herpes simplex uh, is, that people aren't always aware of that, I think that might be reasonable to add that onto my list. Mm -hmm. I don't commonly screen for that. And I think I should probably screen for it. It's it's on that fourteen test panel that I mentioned for three ninety nine right. at, right. at my box. My, now there my are some box. that some that should be screened for prior to childbirth that are probably more important, and that's where you get into the trick and the mycoplasma and uh, and the and the herpes simplex. But I think the 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 general screening works very well for couples who have decided to become monogamous. Or people who are going to large events who are going to be sexual with, with casual, going to have casual sex. 
So it used to be that if you tested, you would need to test again in six months, and then after that, you would know that you were probably pretty clear. Well, that's for each one has its own characteristics. So, for example, I do get, I do get primarily men coming into the office saying, "Oh my God, I'm scared to death. I had a sexual encounter with somebody outside of my relationship, and now I'm afraid to have sex with my wife, and I want to be tested." And the awkward thing is, is that, well, some of the tests don't turn positive for a period of time. And so six weeks is kind of the minimum period. But GC, you can test for that right away, or you can just be treated for chlamydia, whether you know you've got it or not. So those are pretty easy to take off the, you know, a a couple doses of antibiotics. And you can take GC and chlamydia off uh, the risk factors or the, the possibilities right there, but but uh, syphilis takes a little while to incubate, herpes simplex takes a little while to incubate, HIV certainly takes a little while to incubate. Would you suggest that if um, people have uh, uh, an encounter and they have they were they didn't use protection or the condom broke or something of that nature, that that they have access to some kind of a little. Uh, uh, morning after antibiotic pack <laughs> you know I mean, we have the morning after pill why if you are there certain antibiotics or antivirals that you could take that would head off any infection brewing um, early treatment certainly can prevent uh, GC and chlamydia but GC now requires an injection for because it's so sure, resistant because of resistance so uh, that adds in a little logistical problem. And we would only recommend the HIV preventive in people who are at high risk, such as the gay population, because the medicines have quite uh, potential for side effects that you wouldn't want to take every time you had a, a condom failure or such. Right. Again, the value of pre-screening, if you know that their test is negative, um, more, more than likely six weeks later or even six months later, if they're being responsible and they've been testing, they're probably still negative. You can't be absolutely sure, but yeah. I think we hedge our bets that way. So so come in and be tested. It's a blood test and a urine test. You don't even have to get undressed. That's awesome. Because yeah. it used to be that you'd have to put some kind of swab up the penis, which guys right. really didn't like. They didn't like that. No, no, no. So, all right. So the moral of the story is that that these um, these infections are on the rise and they're on the rise in the younger populations, but it's across the board that it's on the rise. And if you're being sexual, get tested so that you can have a clear conscience that if you're going to be with somebody that you're not giving them something unknowingly because that would feel bad, you know, right. <laughs> if how you just you, didn't know. How can you answer that question honestly if right. you're asked or how can you honestly ask that question? So I'm going to have all these links on the blog on my website. So go to my website, drnsp.com later, and you'll find all the links to all this data and also to my lab box so that you can, if if you're too squeamish to go to the doctor, that you can at least order it and do it yourself. Yes. All right. So next week we've got some other, you're going to be interviewing me next week. Absolutely. That'll be Uh a very exciting show. I'm in the hot seat next week. So tune in and you'll get to watch me squirm because he never tells me what he's going to talk to me about. Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember to laugh more, love harder, and uh, kiss longer. 
And be responsible. And be responsible. Do your do your part. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great week. Make this the best one yet. Hey, sexy people. If you're ready to start your sexual evolution, we've got some amazing prizes to give away. Some of the great prizes include Womanizer, the most advanced pleasure product for stronger, longer, and more intense orgasms. SDC.com is giving away a lifetime membership to the sexiest online community of open-minded people. Touch from experience, warm. It warms your personal lube, then automatically dispenses it with a wave of your hand. And we can't forget Throws of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket. Keep your bed dry no matter how wet it gets. For your chance to win one of these amazing prizes, simply send us an email at info at with the word contest in the subject line. Your name will be entered into the weekly drawing and remember to visit our website regularly for a list of the winners and more information about all the amazing prizes and sponsors. Go to the sexylifestyle.com contest page and enter as often as you like. Thank you for joining us this week for the Conscious Living Show. Be sure to join Dr. Nancy, Dr. Mark, and their guests next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Have a healthy, sexy week in every way. When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. Mystery Vibe is where the best of humanity and technology combust into your pleasure. Personalized, the world's first body-adapting vibrator. Crescendo adapts, bends, wraps, and vibrates in your every curve and crevice. Use solo, duo, trio, or more. And with an app control that commands your pleasure across 12 presets. Oh, and you can even make your own vibration. Crescendo is adored by all, from feminists to Forbes. Go to mysteryvibe.com now for your pleasure. Personalized. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the stay-dry barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now.